Praise the Lord. We are so delighted, of course, uh, Brother Richard's going to minister. And uh, are you going to preach tonight too or no? Maybe, maybe, kind of. Anyway, and Rhonda, of course, more. Uh, they've had so many, uh, over 8,000 revival meetings around the world. And uh, so they've, uh, they've been around the block. Amen. <laughs> and uh, so uh, they love Jesus. And their, uh, their testimony is wonderful, how the Lord touched them and how he uses them to go around and uh, start revival fires. Amen. And uh, praise God, Jesus is coming soon. And there's a harvest to come in. And that's why we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. And uh, it's exciting. But we're so thrilled to have them. What a great blessing. Wasn't that awesome last night? That was wonderful. And so these, mildi- be, build, uh, these, <laughs> these meetings are building. And uh, so invite people, of course. We know people have work schedules and stuff. Get some rest when you can. But come expecting. Amen. Come expecting. Amen. And we are so blessed to have pastors from Salem, friends of ours, friends of uh, the Moors, but uh, uh, Brother Lou and Sister Lori Wooten. Amen. And they pastor the River Church down in Salem. Amen. Brother Lou. I'll have her say something. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Brother, this is dangerous. <laughs> I had to tell you, though, Pastor, you are so wise to have this pulpit without any wheels. <laughs> Miss Rhonda, I tell you, ours has wheels. And they've created a meme from me. I got hit by the Holy Ghost and just took off. That, the pulpit just took off on me. And then I went... So this is nice. Well, we are blessed and honored to be here tonight. We're just so excited. I have to tell you, uh, if, if you're not hungry tonight, um, I will take your portion. <laughs> so we are so blessed and just so excited about what God's doing in and through y'all. All right. I'm not preaching. So here's Lou. I'm not, I'm not preaching either. He's, he's preaching. Listen, we're honored to be here. We're, listen, we love you both, and we're just honored to be in this house. Amen. And um, I'm always, for me, it's always a strange thing because I know the mud that I come from. How many of you know the mud that you come from? And that you're just honored to be able to do anything for Jesus. Amen. So tonight, just get, remember the mud you come from and then touch Jesus from there. Just get hungry from that place. Don't, don't worry about the years that have been in between. Just remember that time that he pulled you out of the mud and he cleaned you off and he kissed you on the cheek and said, you are mine and I am yours. Amen. And just get hungry. Get hungry for him there. Let him love for you right in that spot. And then that's when the fire of God comes. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. I don't know. What do you want me? Is this, I'll, I'll go, brother, I'll, I'll take an offering. We'll have an altar call. I mean, you give me, you give me the, one time a pastor gave me a mic and I ran off with it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Oh, wonderful people. Jump in. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
But uh, praise God, they, they, they we're so blessed to have you tonight, and uh, amen. And, uh, you know, just be open to God. Be open, because you'll receive from Him tonight, amen. And every time, you can touch Him anytime you want to, but uh, praise God, amen. We're so delighted to, to, uh, to be able to come and meet and praise Him, amen, and receive. Glory to God. Amen. Well, as I said, you can read the bulletin for yourself. Amen. (laughs) Every man. (laughs) But we're going (laughs) to. So, but listen. Uh, So anyway, just, just, we're going to just tonight we receive our normal church offering. There's an envelope there. If you want to give online at www.alfc.net and uh, we're going to receive that. Then later in the meetings, now, the uh, Moors come up here, and uh, they, uh, they come up at their own expense. And uh, so, you know, uh, I know Greyhound's not that expensive. <laughs> but, <laughs> but <laughs> when he goes back home, we're going to put a, put a uh, first-class Greyhound. <laughs> but uh, we're going we're gonna to put a... Uh, we're gonna put a uh, um, we're gonna put a sign on the bus on the way back for him, uh, Florida or bust. <laughs> no, no, I, they did fly. I'm just teasing. But anyway, so but they come at their own expense. It's a little more than Greyhound. Anyway, so but they'll they'll receive their uh, their love offering later in the service. But let's go ahead and we'll receive our church offering now. Ushers, are you ready? Make any checks out to Abundant Life Family Church. And, and they did fly here, okay? I'm just joking. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, uh, uh, and we encourage every person too. We receive the tithes and offerings for our local church here. If you have a church home, put your tithe in in that church. Amen. Make sure you do that. Support your local church. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, we do thank you and praise you for all of your blessings. We thank you tonight, Father God, for your hand of blessing upon us for good. We thank you, Lord, that you put the super on the natural. And Lord, you're not, you're not a God of poverty, but you're a God of abundance. And you want to bless us in a mighty, mighty way. And Lord, tonight we thank you for every need met, every bill paid, more than enough, helping every person in their job situations and business situations. And Father God, everything, Lord God, leading us and guiding us by your spirit. And Lord, we'll give all praise, honor, and glory for that to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone that agreed with that prayer said, Amen. Amen. Just had a testimony from one of the brothers, Brother Richard, tonight about his job situation. Praise God. Amen. Honoring the Lord with your finances works. I said it works. Praise God. Amen. So uh, praise the Lord. Why don't you come on up, brother? Get right into it. Amen. Hallelujah. You're wearing that blue shirt. Where'd you get that? I told you he brings the big guns out later in the week. <laughs> so do take your seatbelts off tonight because you're ready for a ride. <laughs> and we are very excited.
excited. Our dear friends are here. You know, we were at their church in October. They have a great church in Salem, the river in Salem. And I'll tell you what, we had a hoot and holler in time. It was a conference and oh my gosh, we were blowing the doors off. Amen. <laughs> and the power of God was flowing. And sometimes you get with people again and you just pick up where you left off, you know, in the spirit, you just pick up where you left off. So we're just going to go deeper in the river. And I know at the end of this week, we got some pastors coming in from Bremerton. We got Jason and Hannah coming, possibly Debbie Rich and her congregation. Um, Bob was getting new teeth, so we don't know. (laughs) So they're gathering up their Bible school to come. And so whenever that comes, there's a greater impartation in the house because people are pulling on the anointing. They're pulling on the power of God. So the river starts to rise in here. So tonight it's going to, it's rising and it's moving. Have you ever seen when the rains come and everything starts flowing down the river? But you know what? (laughs) But praise God. Some people are having to let off some things. Maybe you got to let off some things tonight so the power of God can flow in you. Maybe you've held on to some things. Maybe you're hurting tonight. Maybe things have happened in your marriage and in your family and in your home. Well, tonight's your night. You're going to have to let that stuff off. You're going to have to shed a layer. You know, there's a body bag. You know, when they come after you, when you, when your body is done and they put you in a body bag, see yourself coming out tonight. The devil has plans for you, but God has greater plans for you. He is the great I am and he wants to be the great I am. I am in you and through you. He wants to do a mighty, majestic work on the inside of you. And when you come in services like this, the power of God begins to move on you. And the presence and the anointing just becomes to right out here and it just starts dripping down. So allow the anointing to drip down and allow the fire to burn on the inside of you. And he's going to burn out all of those things, all of those hurts, all of those pains, all of those enemies, darts that have tried to take you out because the power of God is greater and we win. Say, I win. The victory is mine. (laughs) The victory is mine, says the Lord. We are overcomers and we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Remind yourself tonight. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am the blessed of the Lord and every promise is yes and amen. And I claim it tonight in Jesus name. So you see yourself with what you have need of tonight. Close your eyes and reach your hands to that unseen realm and reach and receive what you have need of tonight. And you take it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. You might not be able to see it with your natural eye right now, but faith is bringing it. Faith is bringing it in your confession, your confession. You're calling those things that be not as though they were. And it's coming to you in the name of Jesus. It's coming to your church in the name of Jesus. It's coming to your home in the name of Jesus. It's coming to your family in the name of Jesus. It's coming to your relationships in the name of Jesus. He makes everything whole in his time. There are seasons. There are seasons. And the seasons, bless God, change. So if you don't like the season you're in, get ready because a new one is coming. Bless God. Woo! 
The, the flowers are blooming. Ha <laughs> ha. The garden is rising. Woo! Put off the ashes in the morning because it's time to rejoice because he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the alpha, the omega. He is the bright and morning star and he is your redeemer. The redeemer lives. Amen. Woo! <laughs> Stand to your feet and let's give a shout to the Lord. There's just something about it. When the people of God rejoice and give a shout. And I'm going to, when I say three, I want you to let out a shout. One, two, three. Woo! Woo! <laughs> tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing it. <laughs> that you're bringing it. <laughs> Press down, shaking together and running over. Man shall give unto our bosom favor, divine favor. Divine favor, declares the Lord. Divine favor. When you ask and you ask in faith, I bring those blessings because it is I that maketh. <laughs> and if I don't have it, I will make it for you. So keep on asking, keep on casting, because it is I that will bring it forth. <laughs> I will bring it forth. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your increase in the house tonight, that we may decrease, that you may increase on the inside of us. We declare those rivers rising. Oh, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Let those rivers flow tonight. Let those rivers flow tonight. Put your hands on your belly. Command those rivers to flow tonight. Out of your belly, out of your belly, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let that stale manna leave you in the name of Jesus. Let that refreshing come from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Oh, let that oil of gladness come upon you. Oh, change your mourning into joy. Oh, change your mourning into joy. That he would give you a pep in your step. <laughs> that he would give a joy unspeakable and full of glory in the half as yet been told. Oh, just release those things over to him tonight. Oh, just see yourself <laughs> with the victory. See yourself in that new place. See yourself in that new season. See yourself where he wants to take you. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, he's a good God. And he's only been good to us all of our days. And he wants to rain down tonight upon you. The river is rising. The river is rising. You know, these meetings, they build one upon the other. One upon the other. And there's a momentum. And the Holy Spirit wants to do some deep, deep things on the inside of you. And as you open up and as you yield, the power of God will come. And he will blow it out. You know, you got to get into a place or be in a revival where there's the power of God. It can blow it off of you. 
Some people don't have that type of anointing, but it's here tonight. It's here tonight. It's some of those big things that have been hindering you and that have been holding you back. The power of God is in the house tonight. He's going to blow towards you tonight. He's going to burn everything off of you tonight. Things that have you held you back. Things that have held you captive. Things that you just can't seem to pray through on. Things that have just, you know, he says that the enemy just is these attacks and it's just right here and you just can't seem to get it off. Well, tonight it's leaving in the name of Jesus. Say it's leaving in the name of Jesus. It's leaving in the name of Jesus and you will, you will do it by your dominion. You take your dominion. You take your authority. You take your authority. You stand in that place that God has called you to stand in. You don't give it away. No, you don't give it away by the down unbelief that comes out of your mouth, but you start speaking the truth in love. You start speaking what you desire. You start speaking the victory and you're going to have what you say. Amen. Because the power of God the power of God was purchased for you. The power of God, the blood of Jesus. Jesus came and purchased that for you. So you don't have to hurt. So you don't have to stay in that place. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited tonight to announce that. <laughs> You know, in a, in a boxing match, there's many rings and we're going ding, 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 ding. So just know that, you know, in a good revival service, there's much that takes place. So you just stay, you just stay, you just stay hooked up in the spirit. You know, you just say, Oh, it's coming. It's coming. And when something comes, you reach out and you take it and say, that's mine. That's mine. I take that word. I take that. So just know that, that it's coming. Say your blessings coming, your blessings coming. <laughs> and that what you have need of is coming. It's on its way. If it hasn't gotten there yet, it's on its way. It's coming. He has your address. He knows where you live. He's never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. He is the God of more than enough. He is the God that parted the seas. So just know that he's going to do it again and again and again and again. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, my, uh, my husband's, um, 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 wanted me to get up and announce that on March 13 and 14, I'm going to be doing a ladies meeting with Miss Pastor Lori and it's the women's gathering, March 13th and 14. Put that on your, ga on your calendars and it's a marketplace. So there's going to be lots of people from the community and in the church that have made handmade things from the area area, services, products, Christian women come out and support the Christian women. It starts Friday night at seven, uh, back up in Saturday morning at nine 30. Okay. So <laughs> so 630 Friday night, 9.30, Saturday morning, and then break for lunch and shopping and eat together and have fellowship, and then another session in the afternoon from from 1.30 to 3.30. This is at the River Church in Salem, and it took you about, right on the highway, it took you about an hour to get here. 
32 minutes. So it's going to be a powerful time for the ladies, and um, I'm excited, and uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. And I know that your church had, um, we had handed out a lot of purity little CDs of my daughter. My daughter wants to be there. We've purchased her a ticket. She's coming. So Sarah is a treat, and I uh, want you all to meet her since we've, this is, we've been at your church two times, and we played her video because Sarah was pure when she got married and just a lifestyle of purity and she's developing her ministry. So it's very exciting. So I'm excited for her. And so she's going to be joining us. So that's going to just be, we're going to have a good time in the Lord. So you don't want to miss that. And I know that, you know, um, I know that, you know, it's few and far between, you know, when there are some good Holy Ghost anointed women that are flowing in the Holy Ghost. And uh, we're not going to be teaching how to put a brawl on. And we're not going to be teaching how to put makeup on. We're, we're going to teach a victorious life and how to press through and press in and get in the river to stay in the river and contend for the supernatural in your life and for your families. Amen. Hallelujah. Now just welcome my handsome husband. Hallelujah. I think she needs to get a little bit more excited. (laughs) But the Lord is good, isn't he? Are you glad to be here tonight? Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to have my dear friends. Pastor Lou and Lori, hallelujah. I know Pastor Lou has spent spent many years up in this area, going all over Washington and Oregon and the Northwest, you know, just having revivals all over. And you started your church how many years ago? Six years ago. Hallelujah. And it's been, I've I've done the last two camp meetings, was the winter camp meetings, and it's been awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, it is a very rare thing to have Holy Ghost people. You know, it's one of the things that impressed me about your pastors, Pastor Rondi and Don, is that when we were down at their church, I mean, they came, they came a few nights to the meetings and brought Stephen. And I mean, that says a lot. You know, when, when, people go at, when people go after the Holy Ghost, that says a whole lot. You know, because hunger is an action. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say you're hungry. It's another thing to show you're hungry. Amen. But you understand something, nothing, from, nothing comes to you from heaven unless something first takes place on earth. I'll say it again, nothing comes from heaven until something first takes place on earth. God always moves according to us. Amen? I mean, even when it comes to the supernatural, and I want to talk to you tonight about contending for the supernatural, but even when it comes to the supernatural, the supernatural being manifested in our midst has everything to do with us. And people want to people, people get of the mindset. Well, if the Lord wants if the Lord wants it, it's just going to happen. That's not that's not how the kingdom of heaven operates. First off, the kingdom of heaven always operates by us. Number one, being full of the Holy Ghost and flowing in the Holy Ghost, because the kingdom of God operates by the Holy Ghost. But the kingdom of God also works operates by faith. Everything comes by faith. I mean, you got you got saved because of faith. And every single person in this room tonight, in this church tonight, has faith. The Bible says God's dealt to every man a measure of faith. So really it's not a faith issue. I've heard people talk about you just need more faith. The reality is you don't really need more faith. You just got to release 
and activate what you have. Because think about it, the very small amount of faith that you had, that you have, actually created the greatest miracle in your life. It took you from darkness to light. Amen? Amen. The smallest amount of faith. Listen, every one of you here tonight, you have enough faith to create the, the greatest miracle that could ever be created, and that's to go from death to life. Amen? And so many people want to put a focus on how much faith does an individual have. It's not about how much faith does an individual have. It has everything to do with operating in, 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 in the faith that you have and releasing the faith that you have. Because Jesus said, even if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is the little seed there is, Jesus said, even if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you'll speak to this mountain and tell it to be removed and cast into the sea. And if you shall not doubt in your heart, but believe the things you say shall come to pass, you will have whatever you say. Amen? But see, people don't understand that, that everything that happens in this life is a choice. The Bible says God set before us life and death. Do you know that? You know the Bible says that not only has He set before us life and death, the Bible says He set before us blessing and curses. But He gives us a little hint. He says, but choose life. Meaning what? It's our choice. Just like coming here tonight. It was your choice to come here. An angel, an angel didn't dress you. Amen? An angel didn't, didn't put you in the car? He said, I Just leave and go get a room. Jeez, gosh. <laughs> it's my angel. You got your angel on the front. And, and, I, and, I, really, and I appreciated that, Pastor, about Pastor Monty and, and Don. And, and um, I mean, this is, this is, they're great pastors. This is a great church. And, and big things, big things. Big things, big things. I just actually when I walked in here Sunday and I was just waiting for the right. I, I just kept hearing in my spirit big things, big things. Do you know God is a big God? You know God doesn't do anything little. Now listen, God doesn't do anything little. He's a big God. No, no, He's a big God. You might start out doing little, but as you stay faithful to Him and and continue to yield to Him. You grow and you increase because the Bible says He increases us more and more and more, both small and great. The Bible says He increases us. So we should always be increasing in every area of life, not just in knowledge, but in the Word of God, in the revelation in the Word of God, but in, in the Holy Spirit, amen, in miracles and signs and wonders. Listen, the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. We go from glory to glory. That means we're always going to another level, not decreasing, but you look at many churches today and it's like they decrease and they decrease and they decrease and they decrease. No, no, you, we are to increase on a regular basis. We're to continue to increase and to increase and to increase and to increase in the things of God. Amen? And I, uh, I, was, I was just reading earlier today, and there's a few authors I like, and, and as you turn with me to the book of Acts, the first chapter, I just want to read something that I read to, today from uh, a couple men. One is Samuel Chadwick, who's an awesome man of God. Another one is A.W. Tozer. But you have to understand, everything, everything about Christianity is supernatural. And I heard these words contending for the supernatural. Everything about Christianity is supernatural. Do you know it's the supernatural that separates us from all other religions of the world? Amen. I remember a number of years ago, I, uh, I, went, I was at, actually went to this golf course in, in Tampa, at this TPC uh, Players Club to play golf, and um, 
and and I was there just talking, you know, just talking with the head pro behind the counter, and and we just got to talking, and, and I saw something on him that was a symbol of uh, religion, and I asked him what that was, and, and basically, long story short, he talked about how he's searching, and uh, yeah, everybody's searching because everybody wants reality. The reality is the world has already rejected religion. Christianity is not a religion. You know, he, can, I, can I tell you the reality tonight? Here's the reality. If the world could see Jesus as he really is, they'd run to him. Not religion. No, no, not religion. I mean, just go into any Christian books. Well, no, they've all closed. But, <laughs> no, they're all closing. But, I mean, I used to go into Christian bookstores all the time, and there was always that one picture of Jesus. Some of you might even have it hanging on your wall. If you do, you need to burn it. But there's always that one picture of Jesus where he's in, that, in his white robe, and he's staring like he posed at Ola Mills. <laughs> you know, he's like, isn't it amazing that he's always sad? No, isn't it amazing? Every picture you see of Jesus, he's always sad. But that's the religious version of Jesus. That's why the world's rejected church. No, no, the world's rejected church. Because religion has been, the Holy Ghost has been replaced by religion. But the reality is, let me tell you the reality of Jesus. The reality is that the Bible says that He was anointed with the oil of gladness above His fellow man. Think about it. He was anointed with the oil of gladness above His fellow man. That means He was the most happiest, joyfulest person there was. But religion doesn't, religion doesn't portray him that way. I, I, remember, I, I remember one time I was in this church, and I'll tell you about the golf course in a minute, but I, I was at this church, and um, this lady came up to me. I was in a five-week revival. And this lady came up to me, and, and, and she said, well, I need you to pray. My husband would come to these meetings. And she starts telling me about And I listen to her. And she starts telling me about her husband. I live with the devil. You know, to be honest with you, I'm just talking with her for a minute and a half. I, I, I knew who the devil was in the marriage. But, <laughs> and she's, she, she's, tell, she, she's, tell, she's telling me about her husband and, and her husband won't ever come to church with her. And I'm thinking, oh God, if I was married to you, I wouldn't go either. <laughs> and she just goes on and on and on about her husband and how he's the devil and all this stuff and and, and I remember I looked at my watch just 20 minutes. I said, ma'am, I have an answer for you. Oh, you do? I said, listen, you just took 20 minutes of my time, which is fine. I allowed you to have 20 minutes of my time. But uh, I need 20 minutes of your time now. Because I know what the problem is in your marriage. You do, Brother Richard? You do? What is it? I said, you are. Man, she turned 15 shades of red. I said, no, 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 listen to me. I said, here's what I want you to do. Don't say anything to your husband about Jesus ever again. Because you've been married for 35 years and you've been trying to get him to come to church for 35 years. And you know what? Obviously what you're doing is not working. So shut up. <laughs> Don't mention Jesus. Let me tell you how to get your husband saved. And what I told her to do, he got saved two weeks later. I said, let me tell you what you do. I don't want you to, listen, your husband has heard about Jesus from you. I said, what I want you to do, I, I said, I want you to love him into the kingdom. I want you to love it. This is like the second week of our revival. I said, I want you to love him into the, into the kingdom. I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, let me ask you a question. Has your husband ever hit you? She goes, no, he hasn't. And I tell you, I said, no, 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 I know what you do. Stop. You get a baseball bite after him. I'm, not, that's, I'm just asking you a question. Has your husband ever hit you? Well, no, he hasn't. I said, do you have to work a job? 
Well, no. I said, so obviously your husband is a hard worker. Oh, yes, I'll give him that. He's a hard worker. Okay. Do you get to go on vacation? Well, yeah, we go on vacation. Then she starts getting annoyed because I'm asking her questions. But I said, wait, wait, wait. You took 20 months of my time. It's only fair. I said, do you have a car to drive? Well, yes, I have a car to drive. I said, do you get to go shopping anytime you want to? Well, yeah. I said, ma'am, it don't seem like to me you got it that bad. Your husband's never hit you. He's never beat you. He gives you money. You got your own car to drive. You can go shopping anytime you want to shop. And you got, you got money to spend. You can go vacation anytime you want to. It don't sound like to me you got it that bad. I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you to leave here tonight. And I, I said, I want you on the way home. It was a morning service. I went, on the way home, I want you to stop off at the mall. And I want you to go to Victoria's Secrets and get yourself some sexy nightwear. She turned all red. But isn't that a shame, though, that you even begin to talk about sex in the church and people get embarrassed? You know what that shows me? That shows me that you've allowed the world to corrupt something that's very holy and pleasurable before God. Hello? I said, I want you, and I said, I want you to wake up in the morning with him, and I want, you, I want you to fix him breakfast, and I want you to fix him a lunch. Stop putting tracks in his lunchbox. No, no. Stop putting the track in the lunchbox. You, you, you look at it. What you miss by being a Christian? Open it up. Big red letters. Hell. I said, I don't want you to put that in the lunchbox. I said, I want you to, when he comes home, I said, I want you to be waiting for him. And I said, I want you to be out of your curlers. I, I, want, you, I don't want you to take off your gown, nightgown, have something nice on. And I did say this to her. I said, and I want you to paint the old barn. I mean, put some makeup on. And I said, when he opens the door, I want you to have dinner ready for him. And I want you to give him the biggest kiss you can give him. I'm not a little peck. I want you, I want you to suck his lips off. No, I'm serious. I'm totally serious. I want you to give him a huge kiss. And then I want you to take him in and fix his, whatever his favorite meal is. You know what his favorite meal is? Fix his favorite meal. And go in and sit down and have dinner with him. And don't even talk church. Don't talk Jesus. You know what? I give her credit. She listened. I don't know about the lingerie part, but, <laughs> but, but she started doing that. You know what? The last week of the revival, we was there five weeks. She's talking to him on the second week. The last week of the revival, the last the Sunday of the last week. I walk out Sunday morning, and I see the lady, and I see a man beside her that I hadn't seen all yeah. in five weeks. And, 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 you know, I give an altar call. Guess who was the first one to answer the altar call? He comes up and gives his life to Jesus, becomes a member of the church. And she came to me and just thanking me. And she said, I give her tons of credit. She did what I said. She stopped talking about Jesus. And here's what she did on Sunday morning. Her husband woke up and said, are you going to church this morning? She said, yeah, honey, I'm going to church. It's Sunday. He said, I think I'm going to go with you. That, in 30-some years of marriage, that never happened. You know what she did? She loved him into the kingdom. Do you know Christianity is the only religion? Of course, it's not a religion. But, but let's just use it for argument's sake. Do you know Christianity is the only religion that tells you to pray for your enemies? And not kill them. So now I'm at this golf course, and I see this man has this religious thing on, and he tells me he's searching. I said to him, I said, sir, you don't have to search anymore. I said, I have the answer for you. He says, you do? I said, he said, who are you? I said, well, I'm Richard Moore, but more than that, I said, I, I am a child of God. I didn't tell him I was a preacher. I said, I'm a child of God. I believe in Jesus. 
And I gave my life to Jesus. When I gave my life to Jesus, everything about me changed. Why? Because Jesus understands something. Christianity is not a religion. He says, well, I'm searching. I said, you don't have to search any longer. I said, I have the answer for you. He says, well, you know, I'm just going to continue on my little search for a little bit. He says, but because I think all religions are the same. I said, well, there you're wrong. He said, I don't think there's any difference between Islam and Christianity. I said, you're wrong. And I said, I can prove it to you. I said, before I go, t- before I go hit, hit the golf ball, I can prove it to you two ways. Number one, I can pray for you, and the power of God will come on you. Amen. I said, but let me, let me show you the difference between Christianity and Islam. He said, I'm open. I said, here's the difference. The God of Islam says to his followers, you die for me. The God of Christianity, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he says to his followers, I'll die for you. That's a big difference. Amen. Hello? That's a huge difference. See, we can say something that no other religion can say. No other religion of the world. Buddhists can't say it. Scientology can't say it. Islam can't say it. Only Christians can say, my God loved me so much that he left eternity, came into time, took upon flesh, and was beaten, was whipped, went to the, was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and hung upon a cross, and then went to hell for me. No other religion can say that. I said, not only that, only Christians can say, my God lives in me. When people, when people become Buddhist, their God doesn't come to live in them. When people, when people become Muslim, their God doesn't come to live in them. But with the moment you make Jesus the Lord of your life, He comes to live in you. Not only does He come to live in you, that your, your whole life, your whole nature changes. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. Only Christianity changes the nature of an individual. No other religion does that. But unfortunately, religion's gotten in, and, and, and what happens when a religion gets in, it, it comes and gets in, it becomes nothing but a bunch of rituals and formulas. <coughs> and when religion comes, sickness and disease comes. When religion comes, poverty comes. When religion comes, bondage comes. And then here's what religion does. The moment you try to get free from it, it'll make you feel guilty. But the Bible says that there's freedom in Jesus. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? No more bondage, but glorious liberty. Amen? Amen? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Listen, do you you know the moment I gave my life to Jesus, everything changed. Everything changed the moment I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't have to go, I didn't have to go to any alcoholic. And I was, was, matter of fact, when I got locked up at the age of, I was 16, I think it was. And the judge sent me to some drug and alcohol habilitation center. Because the judge told my mom that I, told my mother I had, I, had, I had a drinking problem. But I did, I drank every day. But I mean, it's, I, come, I, I, I grew up at the racetrack. And at the racetrack, you, you smoke cigars and you smoke cigarettes and you chew tobacco and you drink alcohol. And so I started young. I started, I started smoking cigarettes when I was in third grade. And uh, nothing changed. I went to this drug and alcohol habilitation uh, center where there was a Catholic priest there. <laughs> Dressed up like mother and everybody had to call him father. <laughs> I know this is the Catholic area. That's why I'm saying it. Because, because it's from hell. Because understand something. 
Anyway, don't get me off on it. Mary can't do anything for you. I said again, Mary can't do anything for you. Thank you for letting us know that. But I'll work alone. Thank you. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's going to want an offering. And um, so I walked in, but I went there for six weeks and nothing happened. But the moment I walked into the church and went to the altar and gave my life to Jesus, the moment I said, Jesus, come into me, I, I can't even, there's not even words to explain it. I shared it a little bit the other day. There's not even words to explain it. My whole life changed. Everything about me changed. I never smoked, I never smoked again. I never drank again. I never did any more drugs. Everything about me changed. Everything about me changed. Matter of fact, I felt, I felt, I, I felt so new. That's why I, I said the other night, when I walked outside, I, was, I started staring at the, tre- the trees because I'd never seen the trees before. And I'm just staring at the trees going, tree. I'm here, I hear the bird. No, no, because I was dead. No, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And everything, everything, God's creation is so real to me now. I hear the birds that I never heard before. I hear the frogs that I never heard before. My whole, everything about me's changed. I, I, I didn't even want to listen to the music I listened to. Everything about me's changed. Everything about me was changed. I had no desire for anything of the world, none whatsoever. Why? Because I got a brand new nature. Amen? Only Christianity can do that. No other, no other religion can do that. And yet... Unfortunately, the church world sits in the pew and does nothing. But that's changing. Have you found Acts chapter 1? But I want to read these, I want to read these quotes to you. This is by Samuel Chadwick. He said this. He said, The Christian religion begins in, in, in a new birth in the power of the Spirit. It is developed under His guidance and sustained by His presence. But ignoring the Spirit... It must become a matter of education and evolution. A.W. Tozer said this. He says, Wise leaders should have, should have known that the human heart cannot exist in a vacuum. If Christians are forbidden to enjoy the wine of the Spirit, they will turn to the wine of the flesh. Christ died for our hearts, and the Holy Spirit wants to come and satisfy them. The only, heart, the only way your heart can be satisfied is by the presence of God. Nothing else can satisfy it. But that, and that's why the cults, the, the occult's on the arise. Because people are searching for reality. And, and they, they, try, they went to church because they thought, you know, because when people think of church, they think of God. But they went to the church and found no God. They found religion. They found, they found tradition. They, heard, they begin to hear things like, well, you know, for some unknown reason, God, God would send that cancer. We don't, know, we don't know everything in this life, but you know, in the next life, we're going to know. You know, we don't know why God's allowed that drunk driver to, to, to take out your wife. And, and, but, you know, it's not for us to know. We're just accepted. And, you know, and we, but in the sweet by and by, we'll know all things. No, no, no. That, that's what religion says. But the reality is he, re- he, he redeems our life from destruction. My wife and I, we were in a five-week revival last year. After two weeks, we, fl- we had to fly up to Cincinnati. It was in Virginia. I had to fly up to Cincinnati to uh, go to a wedding. And then I rented a vehicle to drive back, and it, and it got real sleet and snow and stuff. I was on I-64 
um, east, heading through West Virginia, going back to Roanoke, Virginia. And, and I wasn't, even though, listen, I, people don't believe me when I tell them because they know how I drive. I am a fa- I like speed, but I wasn't going fast. No, no, I wasn't going fast. No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, listen. Okay, you had your time. She tries to take over. <laughs> now she can take over anytime she wants. But so I, I um, but I was in the fast lane, but people were passing me. So I thought, man, I got to get over in the slow lane. So as I go to get over, my uh, at my back end, I hit black ice, and I was in an SUV. I hit black ice, and I spun around. So I'm I'm going east now. I'm coming looking <laughs> facing west. But the momentum of the spin spun me around, and I hit the medium. It was. It went, it would go. It went down like that, and I flipped the vehicle with my wife and I and had our, had had our dog. Well, it's my daughter's dog, but she got married, became our dog, and had our little dog in his little multi poo. Had our little dog in the back seat, and I slid on on the roof for I don't know how long we slid, but for a while, and then f- came back on onto the um, the tires under the wheels. And, you know, one of the sides was caved in. And, but I was talking to another evangelist on the phone when that happened. And he heard the whole thing. He heard me flip the car. And, and when we came to, he's going, Richard, Richard, Richard. I said, oh, man, Sean, I just flipped the car. He goes, I know, I heard it. I said, did I say anything? He goes, yeah, you said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I went, whew, thank you. I did. That's the first thing I asked. Did I say anything I shouldn't have? But he did. He said, you said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And and I looked, <laughs> I looked over to my wife and make sure she's she's okay. She she just had a little thing of blood coming down her the side of her face, and something flew around in the car and hit her. I, might have been the dog. I don't know because <laughs> the dog wasn't in the seatbelt. He was just like in the back seat. The dog, little little Marty Poo, laying in the back seat. No telling. I, I mean, the thing was in trauma for a while. No telling how many times the dog flipped and flew around into the car. Poor, poor, poor little guy. <laughs> but she just had a little thing of uh, blood coming. She was totally fine. And, and you know what? We, we were totally fine. But you know what? The Lord redeems our life from destruction. Yeah. Matter of fact, one of the, the, the pastor who came to pick us up, he used to work for, he used to be an a, a, a ambulance driver, MS, uh, what do you call it? Um, MT driver. And, um, and he saw the vehicle. He said, there's no way you should be alive because the, the braces collapsed, you know. And, uh, but I walked away with no scratch, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. Matter, but the, the airbags deployed. No, no scratch. As a matter of fact, first thing I did after I made my sure my wife was okay, I called my pastor. I called him right there while I was in the car, and he started. He starts praying. See, you you got to have people. See, that's why it's important to go to a church. Because first off, there's I promise you, every single one of you, there's going to be times in your life you're going to need somebody to pray. You don't want some religious idiot praying. You want somebody that knows. 
that knows the Father. Hello, you want somebody that knows how to hook up with the Holy Ghost. You want somebody who knows how to pray. You know? Not somebody that's going to just pray some generic prayer. Hello? Well, Lord, if it be your will. No, rubbish on if it be your will. We know what the will is. I need you to get a hold of heaven right now. I actually said to my wife, I said, if, my, if, if I'm ever in a hospital and my life's dependent on a prayer, I said to her, I said, there's certain people you're not to call. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because I want to live, not die. You know what I'm saying? And so my pastor began to shout and pray. And, and after he got done praying, I, I got out of the vehicle. You know, first thing I did when I was out of the vehicle... Made sure my bag wasn't hurt and made sure I had my golf swing. <laughs> I did, I promise you. I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you. There's certain things that are important. My golf swing's important. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the reality is, is if people just begin to get into the Word of God and understand what it means to be in covenant with God... And, and, and if, you're, if you're here tonight and you're born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, names written down in the Lamb's book of life, you understand something. You are in covenant with God. You are in covenant with El Shaddai. Think about it. 48 times in the Word of God, He describes Himself as El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. Amen? Not El Chipo, El Shaddai. He's El Shaddai. I mean, the Bible says in Psalms 33, with his breath, he created the heavens. He created the earth. He, I mean, he created the stars. Not only did he create the stars, the Bible says he named each one. Think about it. Go out tonight and look up, and if it's clear, go up and try to count the stars. It's impossible. But the Bible says with God's breath, he created the stars. Not only did he create the stars with his breath, the Bible says that God named each star. Think about how marvelous he is. And if you just come into an understanding and revelation that you are in covenant with Him, you understand that with that covenant comes protection. Come on, with that covenant becomes protection. He redeems our life from destruction. Oh, hallelujah. That's why I always pray over your kids. Always pray over your kids. My, my daughter, I... <clears throat> and and she and you guys are going to be so blessed to see my daughter in next what is it just a few weeks from now two weeks from now she's she's like her daddy hallelujah thank the lord jesus <laughs> actually she's just like her mama and um you know it's 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 so amazing even with her i mean from, from the time she was born i i spoke into her belly I mean, she, was, she wasn't even conceived. I mean, she was conceived, but she hadn't come out yet. But I, I would speak into her belly. I'd say, Sarah. I'd speak right into her belly. Sarah, this is your daddy. All the days of your life, you're going to serve God. And you're going to walk with him. You're not going to know poverty. You're only going to know blessing. You're not going to know sickness and disease. You're only going to know healing. You're not going to know the ways of the world. You're only going to know righteousness all the days of your life. And I'd speak it to her every day. When she was born, the first thing I did when she was born in the hospital room, Baptist East Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky, as soon as she was born, and the first time I was able to hold her, I took her in my hands and I lifted her up like this. I said, Father, I thank you for this gift that you've given me. 
Lord, I'll now give her back to you. And I promise you, Lord, that all the days of her life, she'll serve you and she'll walk with you. She'll never know the ways of, of, of darkness ever. She'll, never, she'll, never, she'll know, never know anything that pertains to darkness. She'll only know your ways. And every single, every single night I'd go into a room up until she went off to Bible school at age 18. Every single night. And then the nights I forgot, when she, she'd fall asleep, I'd still go in. And I'd speak to her spirit because her spirit's alive. Her spirit's not sleeping. And I'd speak to her spirit and I'd tell her every single night. Well, most of the nights were because she was, lived on the road with us. I mean, she, she, most of her life, she lived in hotels. She don't know anything but hotels. Matter of fact, here a couple of years ago, before she got married, we took her. We went to 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 um, Orlando just to get away, just for a couple of days, and we stayed at the Omni there. And just her and I was walking down the hall in this hotel, going to the hotel room. She goes, "Daddy, you know, I feel at home." <laughs> you know, I mean, she felt more at home in a hotel than she did at, at a house because she grew up in hotels. But every night I'd speak to her, and my wife would speak to her. Every night I'd speak to her, and I'd tell her, Sarah, all the days of your life, you're going to live a clean, pure life. You're going to live a holy life, and you're never going to know the ways of the world ever. Never know the ways of the world. And I prayed for her husband, too. I'd pray for her husband when I'd pray for her. Listen, it's not hard to raise ungodly kids in an ungodly world. It's not hard to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. What did I say? Ungodly? It's not hard to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. No, it's not hard. And you, and, and you know what? When she got married, her very first kiss, it's going to be the same way with your daughters. The very first kiss, when, when the pastor married her, when the pastor married her, he turned to the congregation and said, Ladies and gentlemen, this is now their first kiss. They never kissed. Matter of fact, I saw. I, I knew who my daughter's husband was before she did. I was in church because the, listen, I, I believe the ways of the Spirit, and I'm, we're going to get into it. But understand something: we are we, we are covenant people. We're in a covenant with God, and God has a purpose intended for us to not operate from our head, to operate by the Holy Ghost. See, you can know things before they even happen, because the Bible. Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost comes, one of the things He's going to do is show you things to come. Okay, come on, let me go over this section of the church. He's going to show you things to come. You know what? He's going to show you things to come. I knew my daughter's husband before she did. I, I was in church and I saw him walking. I saw him walking down the aisle, and the Lord said to me, "That's your daughter's husband." I didn't run to her and say, "I found your husband." No, I didn't do any of that stuff. And a matter of fact, when he come and asked for her hand in marriage, you know, you, you know, you say, you know, the dad, you're gonna, you're gonna play macho, and you know, you're gonna let him come and talk to you as you as I'm cleaning my guns. <laughs> but you know what? None of that, none, none of that happens, because I knew, who, I, I knew when he came to me, I knew it was the will of the Lord. And so when he asked for her hand in marriage, you know, the first thing I said to him. His name is Chris. I said, Chris, let me ask you a question. He said, yes, sir. I said, do you tithe? He was not expecting that answer. I said, oh, you're a tither. Uh, and he took him back. And he, but he, he said, well, yes, sir. Uh, I, I'm a faithful tither. I said, okay, good. You can marry my daughter. And he said, why would you ask that question, sir? That's not what he was thinking. I said, because if you would have said no or sometimes you tithe, I would have said, no, you can't marry my daughter. Because the Bible says if you don't honor God with a tithe, you're a thief. And I don't want my daughter marrying a thief. 
You didn't say that to him. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, most certainly I did. Because the Bible says if you don't honor God, then you're a thief. Well, that went over like a lead balloon, but it's the tr- <laughs> but it is the truth. No, no, it is the truth. No, no, it is the truth. No, no, it is the Listen, you can't, you can't even really pray, pray for a blessing unless you're a tither. Boy, maybe, maybe I should have get into that tonight. Because I've got more reaction out of that than anything. <laughs> Acts 1. The former, former, verse 1, Acts 1, verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, <clears throat> concerning all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up after that he had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, I want you to see the importance of the Holy Spirit here. And I want you to understand the hour that we're in, the age that we're in. Because most people do not operate by the Holy Ghost. Most people operate by what makes sense. Even when it comes to their money, they operate by what makes sense. And that's not how we are to operate. We don't operate by what makes sense to our head. We operate by the Holy Ghost. Everything, God, because understand something, everything Christianity is Holy Ghost. I mean, it, there, it, listen, it, there's, there's a reason why the Bible begins with the Holy Spirit and ends with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why the birth of Jesus was by the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why that his ministry didn't even take place. No, no miracle even began to happen until the Holy Spirit came. Everything he spoke, he spoke by the Holy Ghost. He said, the words I speak to you, they are, they are spirit and they are life. Everything was by the Holy Ghost. That's why, that's why in, 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 in the book of John, the fifth chapter, Mary, when Jesus goes to a, to a wedding, he's invited to the wedding, he goes to a wedding, no miracle has taken place yet in his ministry. Not one miracle has taken place in his ministry yet, but they run out of wine. And in verse 5, of John chapter 2, in verse 5, Mary says to the servants, whatever he says, do you do it? Whatever he says, do you do it? And then he told them what to do, and a miracle took place. Do you know the very first miracle in Jesus' ministry was a miracle of provision? And then you keep reading, and the Bible says, and this was the beginning of miracles. When did the beginning of miracles take place in Jesus' life? When the Spirit of God came upon him. Because the kingdom of God, God's purpose for the kingdom of God, God's design for the kingdom of God is designed to operate and to function and flow by the Holy Ghost. That's why Zechariah said in Zechariah the fourth chapter, the sixth verse, it's not by might nor by power, not by your own power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And in, in, in Corinthians 4, for the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Paul said, my, my gospel didn't come to you in word only, but it came to you in power and in demonstration. Paul said to the church of Corinth, he said, when I come to you, I only desire to know one thing. If you want to get insight into Paul's ministry, listen to what Paul said. Paul said, I only desire to know one thing among you, and that's Jesus and him crucified. But isn't it amazing today how churches today get away from the cross? No, they take, they take the cross down and put smoke machines in.
<laughs> no, they do. And I, listen, I'm not necessarily against that. But I am against it when the smoke machines have to replace the Holy Ghost. Because understand something, when the Holy Ghost leaves, He's going to be replaced with something. When the anointing leaves, something's going to have to replace the anointing. Hello? When the anointing leaves, something replaces it. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And here, and this is something incredible here, and in, 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 in the book of Acts, the first chapter, let's read it again. He says, The former trees have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, listen to me, both to do and teach. Do you know Jesus did more teaching than anything? The Bible says he went about all the cities and all the villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. But Jesus did more teaching than he did preaching. Because teaching is explaining, preaching is proclaiming. And I don't mind, I like good preaching. I preach sometimes. I like good preaching, but I don't, I don't, I don't like people just to get up in the flesh and just shout. I remember when I was in Bible school, I was in the evangelist class, and they said, just get up and shout. Just get up and shout. Well, if your shout don't have anything behind it, it doesn't produce anything. Hello? Just get up and shout. Well, I mean, your shout has to have something behind it. No, your shout has to have something back it. And the Bible says that he, went, he began to teach, he began both to do and teach, listen, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Now I want to show you the importance of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize at this moment Jesus has already been resurrected? Listen to me. Jesus has already been resurrected. But yet, the, don't overlook this. Jesus has already been resurrected, and yet the Bible still records that He's given instructions by the Holy Ghost. After He's been... Uh, understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to make sure that what we allow into our lives, what we allow into the church, is that which comes from heaven. It has to be breathed by God. It has to be the Holy Ghost. And trust me, the enemy will send people in to, to, to disrupt. The enemy will send people... Because understand something. Satan knows more about the anointing than anybody else. Because he was anointed. Still is. He just corrupted it. He knows what happens when the anointing comes. He knows what happens when just a group of people begin to call unto God. Because he answers. Call unto me and I'll answer you. But he's not just going to answer you. He said, I'll answer you. But he said, I'll show you great and I'll show you mighty things that you know not. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in mighty things. I'm interested in mighty things. I'm interested in signs and wonders and miracles. I'm not interested in having a service that's just me. I'm not interested in doing it if I have to do it. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I know people never understood, and I understand it now, I understand it. I never understood it 
for a while, but I understand it now. People, people never, they never really understood Smith Wigglesworth when Smith Wigglesworth made the statement, the Holy Ghost don't move, I'm moving. I understand that now. Because since 1990, my wife and I, we've, now some places are stronger than others, but since 1990, my wife and I have never, 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 one time, never one time had a service where the Spirit of God didn't move. Since 1990. Since 19, now some places are stronger than others. A lot of that has to do with the church. A lot of that, because here's the reality. You having a touch from heaven has everything to do with you. Because I've heard people coming, well, I guess the pastor didn't have it today. No, maybe, maybe you didn't come ready. No, maybe he stayed up all night watching the stupid movies. Hello? You barely, got, you barely got your blessed assurance out of bed. And you come to church. Hello? No, 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 no. You have to listen. Don't come... To church and have the praise and worship team get you into praise and worship. No, you already come in it. Come on, you already come in the spirit. I got to go in the church and get in the spirit. No, 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 no. You already you come in the spirit. You already come ready. Because everything has to do with you. Because it goes back down to to choices. It goes right down to the decisions. Everything has to do with you. The Lord touched me in my life because of what I did. The Lord touched Pastor Lou in his life because of what he did. The Lord's touched your pastors because of what they... Listen, understand something. Nothing from heaven... Listen to me very closely. Nothing comes from heaven by your convenience. It always comes as a result of your sacrifice. Nothing comes out of your convenience. Because let me tell you something right now. It wasn't necessarily convenient for your flesh to be here tonight. Because some of you got up at 5 in the morning. Hello, some of you got up at 5 in the morning. And you got up a little tired. And you wanted to, come home, you wanted to go home and just, and just eat. Sit in your lazy boy. Get in your PJs. Put your Santa Claus socks on. <laughs> Have your wife make you some hot tea. And watch Survivor or whatever people watch. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, listen, but no, it's something that's going on in you. Something in you was hungrier than what the flesh wanted. Because everybody desires to have a touch from heaven. Everybody desires to have a touch from God. Everybody desires, listen, everybody desires to receive from heaven. Everybody wants to get in God's presence. But I'm going to tell you something. It's a sacrifice sometime to get in God's presence. It's a sacrifice to have an encounter with God. It is a sacrifice. Nothing comes at your comfort. Everything is a result of your sacrifice. Everything. That's why I can go anywhere and have a... I've proved it over the... I can go anywhere and have a move of God. 
Because understand, revival, and when I teach at Bible schools, I tell Bible school students, listen, your ministry is not your sermon. Your ministry is not your four points, your poem, and your quote from the Reader's Digest. Your ministry is what's inside you. And when you allow God to do a work in you, then he can do a work through you. But he can't do a work through you until he first does a work in you. But only if he, listen, he only does a work in you as a result of you because he always responds to you. Nothing just happens. Well, maybe the Lord don't use me because it's just not his purpose in my life, you know. I'd like for him to, but maybe it's just not his will. Because, you know, if God wanted me to do it, I'd be doing it. If God wanted it to happen, it'd be happening. And no, but, but that's what religion says. But the reality is God wants us to come after Him. God wants us to seek Him. God wants us to draw out of Him. And as we draw out of Him, then He allows us to find Him. As we draw near to Him, He allows us to experience Him. Why do you think Moses in Exodus 33, Moses said to God, I'm only going to be where you are. Moses was very hungry for God. Moses said, I'm only going to be where your presence is. If your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. He only wanted to be where his presence was. And listen, you gotta contend for the things of God. You gotta contend for the presence of God. You gotta contend. And the moment you get comfortable is the moment you start to lose it. That's why don't ever be satisfied. Don't ever be satisfied. Because God doesn't come to satisfied people, God comes to hungry people. Amen. And he says here, there it is right there. Man, Stephen, you are, you are good, dude. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. So Moses had an understanding of some things. Moses knew that he couldn't do it. Hello, Moses knew that he couldn't do it. Everything is by the Holy Spirit. Everything's by the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus said here, he gave instructions, and he, t- he said to him in the <clears throat> fifth verse, he said, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then in verse 8, he said this, he said, but you shall receive power after that, or, or when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I understand what Jesus is establishing here, because Jesus said, that which I have done, you're going to do. Because understand something, Jesus, <clears throat> we're, we became, understand something, he's speaking to the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ in the earth today. Just when, like when Jesus was on the earth, he was the body of Christ. But we are the body of Christ today. 
And why is it? Why is it this? Why is it that under the old covenant they can experience signs and wonders and miracles? Why is it under the old covenant they can have more than we have under the new? And the reality is, is because first off, you're not going to have anything that you don't contend for. You got to contend for the things of God. You got to contend for the supernatural. And every individual, every, I could take you to every ministry that has supernatural in their midst. Every ministry that has miracles. Every ministry throughout the ages that God has used to touch the nations of the world, to change the very generations of the world. They've all been men and women who at some time in their life, they got so desperate, they got so hungry for God, they begin to call unto Him. They begin to seek Him. And God allowed them to find Him. It didn't just come until they sacrificed themselves. And it hasn't changed. It's just, a, it's just a key. It's just a principle to the kingdom of God. And the reality is, every single person here can operate in miracles. Every single person here can operate in the supernatural. Now, some sects of Christianity, they, they have placed all the focus on the fivefold ministry gift. That it's the pastor that's going to operate in the supernatural. It's the evangelist that's going to operate in miracles, which is a lie from hell. God is in, because you are the body of Christ. And Jesus said, that which I have done, you're going to do. But here's the reality. You can't do what Jesus did until you get full of what Jesus was full of. You can't do what Jesus did until you've got what Jesus had. Because Jesus didn't do what he did because he was the son of God. Jesus did what he did because he was a man anointed of God. And everything that he did, he did by the anointing of God. And Jesus said, he said to us, he said, you're going to do what I did. And greater things shall you do because I go into my father. Amen. But you know, most people don't ever expect to do the greater things. I could venture to say that not one person here woke up this morning with the thought, I'm going to do greater things today. Maybe one or two. No, but the majority don't. No, I'm serious. Listen, the majority don't. You know, it's a problem when you come to church and they start getting free and filled with the Holy Ghost, then they got to try to help the preacher. But I don't mind. I don't mind. Don't mind it at all. I like it, actually. Go to Acts 2. Now, the fulfillment of what Jesus was talking about takes place here 10 days later. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all... Together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a rushing mighty wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of, as of fire. Being distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now I'm going to read this tonight. I'm going to read this out of another translation. I, I, I love the... Just come on.
I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. I love that. Did you got it on there? This is the, okay, I'm reading out the Passion Translation. I, I love this. Let me read this again. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house, listen, from out of the heavenly realm. From out of the heavenly realm. Everybody say heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at, then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. And it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. See, he talks about empowerment. See, everything that they did, they did because they were empowered by the Holy Ghost. See, we are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of Christ because the work of Christ can only be done by the Spirit. It can't be done by the flesh. It can't be done by the mind. Hello, it has to be done by the Spirit. Everything has to be done by the Holy Ghost. Let me give you some, let me give you some insight. You just hold, well, you can just jump over to Romans 8. I'll give you some insight. Then we're going to come back to Romans 3, I mean Acts 3. But Romans 8, just go to Romans 8. You probably turn get there faster, Stephen, than I can on this thing. Verse 2. Let's start with verse 1. Listen what, he, listen what the Holy Ghost speaking through Paul said to us. He said, There is therefore no condem- now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now listen to this. This is how God intended for every one of us to live. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Do, do Do you understand? Here's the problem. Most people in the body of Christ don't understand who they are. No, most people in the body of Christ don't understand who they are. The last thing that I am concerned about in my life is that, 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 that virus, the what, coronavirus. It means absolutely nothing to me because I, I don't walk in the flesh. I walk by the Holy Ghost. And the life that I live, I live by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And therefore, because I live by the law of life in Christ Jesus, I am free from the law of sin and death. That's why I have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. If you live by the law of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, then you know that you have victory over the law of sin and death. You have victory over sickness and disease. You have victory over, come on over, everything that comes from hell. And there's nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. Hello, absolutely nothing to fear. I mean, when I just came back, I just came back from 
Czech Republic and Slovakia and, 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 and Austria. I don't know how many times they asked me, you been to China lately? I said, no, I haven't been to China, but that, 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 that disease won't ever come into my life. And of course, they're going to look at you weird, but who cares? But I know how I live. I live by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How do you think John G. Lake was able to go to that woman in, in South Africa who died of the, who died of some, the plague? The bubonic plague or black, whatever plague it was. How do you think that he was able to, a fresh body who just died, and they took some of the saliva from the woman and put it under a microscope and it was alive. But he said, now pull it on me. And they said, you'll die. Put it on me. And they put it on him and put his hand under a microscope and it was dead. And then he said to him, he said, because I live my life by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has set me free from, by the law of sin and death, from the law of sin and death. Uh, uh, understand how we live. Understand who you are. There's a reason why. And in, in, in in Paul said, he said, I only desire to know one thing. And you know, and I tell you, some things that irks me so much is that people talk. I mean, you know, I've heard people say, well, you, listen, everything we believe, everything we believe has to have its foundation in the cross. Everything we believe has to have its foundation in the cross. And I've heard people say, well, you know what? You don't want to, don't camp out at the cross. It's a place of death. Well, that's not what Paul said. I can quote a number of times with Paul in Galatians. I can quote a number of times when Paul said, when he came to the church of Corinth, he said, I only wanted to know one thing, and that's Jesus and him crucified. Matter of fact, history tells us when Paul in Galatians, when Paul began to describe the crucifixion, it was so real to Paul that the Galatians thought that they'd been there themselves to witness it. Because it wasn't, it was revelation to Paul. Then my wife, now I haven't done it here this week because I don't have any, but my wife would tell you on a regular basis because I, I, I love the subject of redemption. It's one of my favorite, su- I love the subject, I'm always reading it, I love the subject of redemption. And understand something, Jesus did not come here to start a church. Jesus did not come here to start a religion, but he did come here to redeem us. And not only did he come here to redeem us, church, he redeemed us. That's why we are the redeemed of the Lord. We're not going to be redeemed, we are. Hello, we are the redeemed of the Lord. But the problem is, is that the body of Christ, they give mutual assent to it, and it's not revelation. And until it becomes revelation, until it goes from here and drops in your heart... I wish I could, I wish I could line everybody up and lay hands on you tonight and impart revelation to you, but I can't. Comes by the Spirit. But Paul had revelation of it, and that's one of the reasons why almost every day, I haven't done it this week because I don't have my communion stuff, but I receive, I, almost every day, when I, I take communion myself. And I take it for I take it for a, a number of reasons, but one of the reasons I receive communion because I'm not satisfied with my with the light that I have concerning redemption. There's more. No, no, there's more. No, 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 there's more. There's, listen, there's a reason why Kenneth Hagin pastored a church for 12 years and never buried a church member because they died of sickness and disease. Now they died of old age, but uh, and just natural. But they never died of sickness and disease. There's a reason John G. Lake, I mean, there's a reason why John Alexander Dowie pastored a church for over, five, over 19 years, over 5,000 people, never buried a church member to sickness and disease because they died of sickness and disease because he got them healed. I don't 
know what you call that. I call that success. But you know how it happened? John Alexander Dowell used to pastor a church in Australia. And the bubonic plague hit. And he, and, and he buried 30 members of his congregation in one month. That's a lot of people to bury in one month. Even if you've got a mega church, that's a lot of people to bury in one month. And as he's doing, the, as, as, he, as he finished the, thir- listen, as he finished the 30th funeral, three more people die in his congregation. And he goes home, and he goes to his house, and at that time, he thanks God's taking the, and he sits down in his chair, and he says, Father, are you going to take my whole church? And the Lord spoke to him in an audible voice, and then he, he spoke his scripture, he spoke Acts 10, 38. He opened up his Bible, and he began to read these words, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And at that moment, at that moment, listen, at that moment, revelation came, and he knew. He knew that he knew he knew. No, see that, listen, only the Holy Ghost can do that. And you know what? He rose up and went to, went to a member's house that was down at the bubonic place. He actually met a doctor as the doctor was coming out. And the doctor said to him, My reverend, how God sure moves in mysterious ways. You know, that's the wrong thing to say to a man that just heard from heaven. And, he, and John Alexander Dow, he took his finger and pointed in the doctor's face and he said, How dare you? How dare you liken that to, which is, to that which is, comes from hell to God? He pushed him aside, went into the woman's room, prayed for her, and she was instantly healed of the bubonic plague. And he never buried another member of the bubonic plague ever again. Came to America and built Zion City, Illinois, pastored this great church at the turn of the century. Over 5,000 people never buried another church member. Do you understand the power of revelation? But Jesus said that's how the church is going to be built on. I was talking to, to today to Pastor Monty. <clears throat> As we, before we ate, and, and I was talking about Israel, and how my wife and I went, we went to Israel just a couple years ago, and we, we go to this one area, we go to Caesarea Philippi, and there was a hundred of us, a hundred preachers there, and, 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 and we had two guides, and as we, as, as we come to Caesarea Philippi, they, we came to the place, and they said, now this is the place where Jesus said to the disciples, who do men say I am? Now, they thought they was being all wise and, you know, and learned men. They was just being idiots. Because they, they, they said, well, now, the reason why Jesus said, who do men say I am? Because, and here's what they said. They said, because Jesus was going through a time of confusion in his life. And Jesus just needed reassurance of who he was. I'm going to tell you something right now. That's the wrong thing to say to a Holy Ghost, to, to a hundred Holy Ghost fire baptized preachers. And matter of fact, the, the, my pastor, the leader of the, the group spoke. I looked around and I, see, I saw a bunch of people about to speak up and he beat everybody to it. And he shouted to the two, to the two guys. He didn't just say, no, sir, that's wrong. He goes, no, absolutely not. How dare you say that? Jesus knew exactly who he was. When he was 12 years old, and when his parents came back for him, he said to his parents, don't you know I'm about my father's business? He knew he's about his father's business at 12 years old. He was not confused, and he was not needing reassurance. Thank God somebody's bold enough to just, some little timid. Well, you know, no, no I'm sorry. That's not, no, rubbish. 
And you know what? The two guys went and sat down. And they, they folded their arms and legs. Because anytime when you're talking to somebody and they fold their arms and legs, that's a, that, that, that's a sign of, that's a body language sign that they're not interested in what you have to say and they've turned you off and they're not even going to hear you. I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get over that orange shirt. I mean <laughs> For the law, listen, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has me set me free from the law of sin and death. Go back to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3. 1 year later, So the, the, the day of Pentecost took place in Acts chapter 2. One year later, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the ninth hour, the, excuse me, the hour of prayer. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom people placed daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who had entered into the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms or money. Peter gazed at him with John said, look at us. So he paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. So obviously he had something. Say he had something. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took the man, or he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened. Jumping up, he stood and walked and entered uh, into the temple with them, walking and jumping and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew that it was he who sat uh, for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. I promise you, whenever the Spirit of God manifests in somebody's life, people are going to be filled with wonder and amazement. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, as Jesus was teaching there with the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But you keep on reading after the man was let down from the roof and he was healed. The Bible says, the Amplified Bible says, and there were strange and unusual and unthinkable things that took place. Understand, when the anointing of God is present, there will always be strange and unusual and unthinkable things taking place. Why? Because understand something, the anointing is not natural, it's supernatural. And we are supernatural people. We're not to operate and go by the natural. We're not to be moved by the natural. Hello? Because we are Holy Ghost people that we operate by faith and we don't go by what we see. Faith doesn't go by what it sees. Hello? Faith doesn't operate by what it sees. No, faith doesn't operate by what it sees. But we don't walk by sight. We don't go as the world goes. We don't operate as the world operates. But so here, here's Peter and John. Here they are going to pray. They'd seen this man many times. Matter of fact, Jesus had been through this gate. And yet here's this man who's crippled still. And the Bible says he was 40 years old. He'd been there. The Bible says he'd been laid there daily. But I want to show you something about, about miracles. I want to show you something about the anointing. So they're going to pray, which, which gives us a little bit of insight 
of the disciples. I mean, they were obviously people of prayer. Hello? They were going to pray, and as they was going to pray, all of a sudden the gift of faith was dropped in them. That's why they said silver and gold to have. Now, some people, there's people that are, they're just, they're, they're, they're ignorant and unlearned people. Well, they, they want to use this scripture. See, they didn't have no money. They were poor. Oh, stop. People need to read their Bible. They're redeemed. Hello, they're the redeemed of the Lord. Poverty doesn't come to the redeemed. And some, that mindset has to be broken, especially in this area. That mindset has to be broken. That mindset of lack. That, that, listen, anytime you think of lack, it just shows that you really don't have an understanding of who God is. Anytime you talk in terms of lack, don't, as Christians, we don't talk in terms of lack because God is our source. There's no lack with God. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. Hello? He's more than enough. So here they go. They're walking into the gate called beautiful. All of a sudden, the gift of faith drops. The anointing drops in them. The gift of faith drops in them. For this man. They've seen him many times. But something's different this day. So he looks at them. And, and, and he says, look on us. Well, the man looks on them, expecting to receive something. Basically, what Peter said, he said, what you're after, I don't have for you. Because you'll be after it again tomorrow. But I have something greater. That which I have. That which I have. That which I have. Listen. That which I have, I give to you now. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But the man wasn't healed. But guess what? Peter had to activate it. You know miracles have to be activated. There's a reason why that one of the gifts of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit, is called the working of miracles. You have to work it. What did Peter and John do? Peter and John, they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But he was, guess what? He was still laying there. But the Bible says they reached down and they grabbed him. Why? Because they activated it now. They activated by faith. They activated that anointing. They activated that gift. And as they yanked him up, then the power of God hit the man's legs. He's never walked before. And the Bible says he walks in with them, going into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping. See, you have to activate. See, the kingdom of God is activate. You've got to act. It's something you do. What did Paul, when Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 14 at Lystra, the Bible says that there was another crippled man there, and Paul looked at him, and Paul, the Bible says that Paul saw that he had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. But what did Paul have to do? Paul had to get him now to activate it. And the Bible says that Paul shouted at him and told him to stand up. Hello? See, you, but you got to get beyond this mindset. Well, if the Lord wants it, it's just going to happen. Absolutely not. You activate the things of God. You activate the move of God. You activate the anointing of God. You activate miracles. You activate blessing. You activate it. No, you have to activate it. And they activated it. I remember a number of years ago, I was in Russia... Actually, I was in Latvia, and I was going to do this big crusade in, in St. Petersburg, Russia. And so I, 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 was, I had an American pastor with me from Georgia, and 
we go to we go to the airport because it's it's, it's on a Thursday because I have seven hundred and fifty pastors waiting for me to do a pastors conference on Thursday and then start a crusade Friday Saturday and Sunday in St Petersburg Russia they had this big uh, like um, opera house rented and so I go up to the I go up to the desk Pastor Lou and, uh, because the my, the two that were organized it they were they were Russians. They, they'd gone up there and got their ticket, get on the plane. I go to get my ticket, and the lady says, where's your visa? Well, I need your visa. I said, right here. She says, no, you don't have a visa. I said, well, then give me a visa. <laughs> she says, no, you have to have a visa to go into Russia. So when I, when I booked my ticket, the, the travel agent didn't tell me I needed a visa. So here I am now. I don't have a visa. And, and, the, and, the, and the lady said, and, and, and of course, the, the 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 two Russians that were with me, they were they just started shaking their head, like it ain't going to happen. And the lady said, she said, "Look, Russia just passed a law; it's already in effect that no foreigner can receive a visa from a foreign country. And you're an American, and you're in a foreign country. You will not receive a visa. It'll probably be about thirty days. And all, but all of a sudden, but something happened. See, we are to operate by the supernatural." All of a sudden, something happened. I felt it drop in me. And I said to the lady, I said, no, I'll be in Russia tomorrow. And I said to, I said to the two Russians that were helping me, I said, look, I need you to go ahead. Go ahead of me. You do the pastor's conference. Tell them what happened. But tell them I'll be there in the morning. And I watched them. Matter of fact, that, the, the guy, the Russian, him and his wife, he was just with me in, in, in Slovakia in Czech Republic. And we, we begin to talk about the story. And he, and he, was to, he even told me just last week, he said, yeah, Irina, his wife's name is Irina. We just, we, we, we just said it was impossible. It's not going to happen. And they started freaking out because it had taken them years. Listen, it had taken them years to even get the pastors to agree to have me. And so now they agreed to have me. And here I don't have a visa. And in their mind, and he said to me, he said, you were not coming. And I, but I looked at him. I said, go do the pastor's conference, but I will be there tomorrow to start the crusade. And I watched them as they're walking to go to the gate. Both of them were walking with their heads like this, shaking their heads. No. But see, they don't understand. But uh, we, we are supernatural people. We operate by the supernatural. We don't walk by the natural. We don't walk by sight. We walk by the supernatural because our source is God. You have to understand our strength is God. Oh, come on. I, I, I'm, I'm sharing tonight better than you're responding. And, and I said to my, the pastor that was with me and, and the administrator of the church, she was with us. And I said, I said to her, I said, take me to the American uh, embassy now. So we go to the American embassy, and I met with the consulate, and I said, I need a visa, because I need to be in a, I, I need to be, actually need to be there to, to, right now to do this conference with pastors. Obviously, I'm not going to make it, but I need to be there tomorrow, and I will be there tomorrow. So I need you to get me, to uh, make arrangements for me to be there tomorrow. And he looked at me, and he said, you know you can go to jail there? I said, sir, I, I said, let's just stop right there. I need a visa. And if I go to jail, I go to jail. They need Jesus in jail. I said, I need a visa. Well, sir, I, I can't help you. I said, you're, you're, you're the consulate. Are you saying you can't help me get a visa? 
He said, I'm sorry, Mr. Moore. I said, I'm not going to be able to get you a visa, but good luck to you. I said, sir, I don't need luck. I don't operate. No, I'm, I'm bold now. I said, no, 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 no. I said, sir, I don't operate by luck. I don't need luck. I don't operate by luck. I'll, I'll operate by favor. Can you give me favor? Well, I'm sorry I can't help you. I said, well, then I'm going somewhere where they can. So I turned and I said to the lady who was our, our, uh, like administrator, I said, take me to the Russian embassy. And as we go to the Russian embassy, we go there and the consulate is gone. <laughs> Matter of fact, the, the, my, my pastor friend that was with me, he, he had to go to the bathroom and he goes up to this big Russian uh, guard he says, can you tell me where the bathroom is? And the Russian guard looked at him. He said, you speak to me in Russian. He goes, okay. And he comes, he, he comes back and stands beside me. And uh, so, but the Russian consulate's gone. And so I said, I said to, the, to the ladies with me, I said, take me. Let's go get something to eat. And so we get in the car. And then she's starting to freak out. And I, I, I looked at her and I said, I will be in Russia tomorrow. And she, but I can tell she didn't believe me. So she calls her travel agent friend. Her travel agent friend, basically, without going into everything, basically her travel agent friend said, well, tell the Russians, that, tell, tell the Americans they're not going to be in Russia this time. They have to come back later. And so she told me what he said. I said, I'll be there tomorrow. I said, just take me to get something to eat. Just take me to get something to eat. And so as we're going to, as we're going to get something to eat, all of a sudden her phone rings. Listen, there is nothing that's a coincidence. Nothing's a coincidence. Listen to me. Nothing's a coincidence. See, well, how come that doesn't happen to me? Because you don't believe it and you don't expect it. All of a sudden, her phone rings. And here's her words. She says, I haven't talked to this person in forever. She takes the call and says, starts talking. And there's a friend of hers. And they do small talk. And she says, listen, she says, I got two Americans in the car. And they need to be, they don't have a, they don't have a visa. And they need to get to be to Russia tomorrow. So do you know anybody that knows the Russian consulate? The lady, I, I saw her face. And she goes quiet. And she basically, she says this. She says, talk to him for me. She hangs up the phone and she looks at it and she says, basically she, she, she makes it out to be, she's like, well, your walk with God must be something. Well, it's, it's, everybody's walk can be like that. The reality is I'm operating by the supernatural now. I'm operating by the same thing that Peter and John operated by. The gift of faith dropped in me. I said, talk to me. She said, you never believe this. I hadn't talked to the, this is a friend of mine. I hadn't talked to her forever. She, I, I asked her, does she know anybody that knows the Russian consulate? Here's what she said to me. She's getting ready to call back. She says, it's funny that you asked that. I happen to be doing some work for him today. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, her phone rang. It's this lady. She says, tell the Americans they got an appointment with the Russian consulate tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We went and ate, went back to the hotel. At 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm meeting with the Russian consulate. Fifteen minutes later, I'm headed to the airport with my visa. 
and I get there and I did the crusade. It was impossible in the natural. But understand something. We don't go by the natural. We don't operate by the natural. We operate by the Spirit. We operate by the Holy Ghost. We live by the Holy Ghost. This life that we live, we live the life, listen to me, the life that we live, we live this life by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's how we live. That's how we operate. That's how we function. We operate in the supernatural. We operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We operate in the working of miracles. We operate in the gifts of healing. We operate in the signs and wonders. We operate in the gift of faith. We operate in the supernatural. Everywhere we go, we operate in favor. Everywhere we go, we operate in the favor of God. Everywhere we go, we operate in the blessing of God. And, and, and I don't have time to tell you what took place that night. Incredible things happened those next three days. Incredible things happened. No, incredible things took place. We don't operate by what we see. Come on, we don't operate by what we see. Go, go with me to second, First Corinthians 2. First, I'm going to read this out of the, out of the Passion Translation. And I'm going to pray. Do you, want, do you want to start operating in the supernatural? Then you, you need to start expecting it. Amen. If you want to operate in the supernatural, you've got to start expecting it. You've got to start believing it. Hello? I'm going to read this out of the Passion, Passion Translation. I, I'm, I'm going to start with verse 1 because I love this. 1 Corinthians 2. My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim... To you the secrets of God. I love that. I refuse to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic. Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God, and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. Do you know most Christians do not operate this way today? This is not how most Christians operate. I'll say it again. This is not how most Christians operate, but this is how God intended for you and I to operate. Yeah. Amen. Amen? And then I'm just going to read. I, I, I just love this. I'll read to you verse. Well, let's see. Let's just verse, verse 7. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in, in a mystery. It is His secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory. Did you get that? To bring us into glory. Listen to what it goes on to say here. None of the rulers of this present world understood it. For if they had, listen, they never would have crucified the Lord, I like this, of shining glory. 
the Lord of shining glory. I love that. This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. For all his lovers. What does he have in store for all his lovers? <laughs> to the King James. For as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to read one more thing to you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and, listen, he spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. God spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Do you realize that you are only, see the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do you realize that you're only allowed to see with your natural eyes what you say with your mouth? I'll say it again. You're only allowed to see what you say. Because what you say, listen to me, what you say, when you begin to say, when you begin to talk, understand something. When you begin to say and you begin to speak and you begin to talk, you step over into the realm of God. And as you speak, the invisible world begins to give birth to all that is seen. Then he goes on to say this. I love this. He says, I I just love this translation. He says, verse 6, And without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. He rewards... See, most people in the body of Christ do not see God as a rewarder. That's right. Most people see Him as a judge and not as a rewarder. But the reality is... And listen, is God a God of judgment? Absolutely, He's a God of judgment. There's two judgments. Listen, and every single one of us, the day's coming, and every single one of us will be judged. We'll stand before God and we'll be judged. And when I stand before God, I'm not going to be there with my wife. I'm not going to be there with my pastor. I'm not going to be there with my friends. I'm going to be there by myself. And I'm going to, I'm going to bow before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm going to bow before God Himself. And I'm going to give an account of my life in this life. And I'm going to give an account of my words. I'm going to give an account of my thoughts. I'm going to give an account what I did with His money. I'm going to give an account what I did with his money. I'm going to give an account what I did with his kingdom. Hello? I'm going to give an account of everything I say. Do you realize that when I stand before him on that day, I'm going to give an account of everything I say to you tonight? 
That's why every preacher should examine their doctrine on a yearly basis. Because help me tell you how important it is. It's so important that my Bible tells me that if, if I cause somebody to stumble and go to hell, it's better I not even be born. So these people that are going around teaching that you don't have to repent anymore and that you can live any way you want to live, there's a hell that awaits them if they don't repent. I'll say it again. There's a hell that awaits them. There's a hell that awaits those preachers if they don't make things right. Because you know what? 60 years after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos. And guess what? He was still preaching. He, while he was on this earth, he preached repentance. And after his resurrection, 60 years after his resurrection, he told John to tell the churches to repent. It's the message of the kingdom. And people take things so, they, people take things so, so flippantly. Now, we don't do anything flippantly. And our purpose is the Father's purpose. Our, fa- our purpose is the Father. You, see, you know what dawned on me? It dawned on me just here, just a couple. I'm 55 years old. Or 55 years young. Here's the reality. I'm on the backside of life. If I got another 30 years left, think about it. I'll be 86 years old. That's just 30 years from now. Do you know how fast that comes? I've been longer. I've been married longer than thirty years. My daughter's almost thirty. And I think Jesus is coming back before then, but I don't know. I don't know. Just live like he, just live like he's coming back in ten minutes. I don't know. But in thirty years, I'm gonna be thirty. I'm gonna be eighty-six years old. And just think about it. So I, 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 I it, it hit me. I have to be. That's why I am all about everything about my life. I, I'm all about the advancement of God's kingdom. Because I realize that my rewards await me. And I'm, I, I can care less about store, storing up treasures on this earth. I can care less. Because let me tell you something. You can store up all the treasures you want to, but guess what? You, you can lose them all. I don't care how secure you think your investments are. You can lose everything. Amen? I have a friend of mine that went to bed worth $12 million, woke up broke. It means nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. Store up for you, store up for yourselves treasures on the earth. That's what Jesus said. Don't store up for your treasures on earth. He said, store them up in heaven. He wouldn't tell us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven if there wasn't going to be treasures waiting for us. But isn't it amazing how everybody's all consumed about storing up, having their retirement in this life and storing up things in this life, but they do nothing for the next life. Why? Because they're not eternity minded. They're earthly minded. That's why all their efforts is about this life. And here's the reality. You're not even promised tomorrow. So what? Listen, Kobe Bryant was worth, what, seven, I think he said $700 million. What's it doing for him now? He's 41 years old, died in a helicopter crash, worth $700 million, almost a billion dollars. What's good is it doing for him now? Absolutely nothing. Come on, church. Amen. 
And I'll be, I'll be, because July 30th, I, remember that date. I'll be, I'll be 80, I'll be 56. 30 years from now, 30 years from now, I'll be 86 years old. 30. Well, how long do you want to live, Brother Richard? I don't, I don't, I don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. I don't really, I don't even think, that it means nothing to me. But I, I told my wife that the moment, the moment I start leaking, I, I, I want to be gone. I'm not going to wear diapers. No, I'm serious. I'm not going to wear diapers. <laughs> the moment I start leaking, bye-bye. No, I'm serious. I have a friend of mine who's 88 years old has to wear a diaper, and he, he, he preaches in a diaper and, and pees in a diaper. I ain't doing that. <laughs> You'll probably be picturing me in a diaper at 86. I'm not... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'll come back and do your cameo, 86 years old. Got my diapers? <laughs> no, that ain't. <laughs> brother Richard, brother Richard, brother Richard, he come here to do the camp meeting. He's been doing it for 30 some years now. He forgot his diapers. Can somebody run out and get him diapers? Take up an offering. We need some diapers. <laughs> Yeah, Pastor Lou, we got some in the food pantry. <laughs> it's not that funny. <laughs> Listen, if you want to live to 90, 95, 100 and wear diapers, that's fine. You can do it. I just don't want to. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything, Brother Richard? Nothing. Just telling you me, but I'm telling you that I have 30 years. You know, how, just like that, it comes. And I, I, I don't want to. I'm not. I can care less about my, my kingdom. Really, I can care less. And I'm going to tell you when. It, let me tell you when it changed for me. 2002. How many years ago was that? 18 years ago. That's when it changed for me. Because I watched my best friend hold his 18-year-old daughter in his arms as she was taken out her last breath. And so when you see, watch, when you, when you see something like that, I, can, I, I can't even explain to you, Pastor, what it did to me. All I can tell you is that I became, and I've always been aware of heaven. I've always been aware of eternity. That's how I got saved. And then when I had an encounter with God, I didn't think I could even become even more aware but I became even more aware of eternity when I had an encounter with God. I didn't think I could even become even more aware. But when I watched my friend hold his 18-year-old daughter as she as she was taken out her last breath, I even became even more aware of eternity. I've been, my wife and I, we've been all around the world. I've... I've done things in my life that I never thought I'd ever do. I've wore things that I thought I'd never wore, would wear. I mean, it means nothing to me. It really, I'm, and I'm telling you the truth, and God knows as I, as I begin to close, God knows as I share this with you that He knows my heart. It means nothing. I played the finest golf courses in the world. I played golf courses that people would literally die to play. Just the favor of God. 
I, I, I've been, my wife and I, we've been all around the world. I've been in so many jets. I've been in so many private planes. I, I've been in so many Rolls Royces, and been, I, but it means nothing. I've had so many Rolex watches. I mean, it's, and I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm saying it to press on you because it doesn't mean anything to me. It really doesn't. Before the Lord, He knows I'm telling you the honest truth. It doesn't mean anything to me. I am about my Father's business. I am about my Father's business. I'm about, we're here this week to mobilize the body of Christ, to mobilize Abundant Life Family Church. Because you have to become even more eternity-minded than you are right now. And use all of your efforts in this life. Make a vow. I constantly pray. I, I, I tell you, I probably pray the prayer of consecration, dedication more than I pray any prayer. I'm constantly. I, listen, I, can I just get real with you? Yet last night in the shower in the hotel room, the NBC Suites, as I'm in the shower, I sit in the shower and I just bow my head as the hot water coming on me. I know it's probably a visual you don't need, but I'm just telling you that I, I prayed the prayer of consecration in my shower. Father, whatever you want. My life is yours. I'm so far from perfect, but I commit myself to you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. My life is yours. Lord, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not about building my kingdom. I'm about building your kingdom. I'm not about my business. I only want to please you in this life. And I only, I, only, I only want to do that what you want me to do. Lord, if you want me to pastor a church, I'll pastor a church. Please don't ask me to, but Lord, I'll do it if you want me to. No, no, I'm just commit. I'm, I'm, no, I'm serious. I, I'm just dedicating myself. My wife would love us for us too, but she understands it's got to be the Father. It's got to be the Holy Spirit leading us that way. But I'm just saying, I'm praying the prayer of consecration to the Lord. Lord, whatever you want. Lord, I'll do, what, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll be whatever you want me to be. Lord, I'll advance your kingdom. Lord, I'll go to any... And I'm not even... I don't even like going overseas. I'm an American, man. I've been overseas over 100 times. I've kissed the ground 62 times. And then after 62 times, I realized I don't need to do it. Actually, you know why, you know why I stopped kissing the ground? Because the Lord spoke to me. My wife would tell you. My wife would tell you. She, I used to, she, they, when we got off the plane, especially my daughter, because my daughter knew as soon as, soon as we touched the airport and whatever city in America we landed after coming overseas, she knows what I'm going to do. She knows I'm going to kiss the ground. It used to embarrass her. So my daughter made sure she's in front of me. And as soon as we get off the plane, here's my daughter. She's, she's running because she knows what I'm going to do. Because as soon as I hit the ground, I'm going to get on my knees just like this with people coming past me. And I'm going to, thank you, Father, for America. I have people walking past me. Well, he's glad to be home. No, I'm serious, talking. Because I've been down and I kiss the ground. Thank you, God, for America. Just if you're going to do that, <laughs> you know, you, when you fly, you get dehydrated. And right as I was getting off the plane, I put on some Carmex. And I forgot that it was on, and I kissed the ground. And when I, <laughs> and when I, <laughs> and when 
when I, when I raised up, I, I picked up a bunch of passengers. I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's hanging all over my lips. <laughs> I, I had stuff hanging all over my lips, man. <laughs> I did that 62 times until the Lord spoke to me. You know, you know what stopped me? Because the Lord said to me, because I didn't realize at the time I was being carnal. I thought I was just loving America. But the Lord let me know that I wasn't being attorney demanded because the Lord spoke to me. Here's what He said to me. He said, what kingdom are you of? He said, here's what the Lord said. He said, where's your citizenship? I'm like, oh. See, we get all caught up, I'm American. But the reality is, we're citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's right, we're just passing through. We'll take, we, we need to take as many people with us as we can. Amen? That's, our, that's why I appreciate Pastor Lou and Pastor Lori. I mean, on, on a daily basis, they've got people going out in the streets. getting. How many people have you led to the Lord already just this year? Okay, this is this is the, going on that what the end of February, and they've already led fifteen hundred people to the Lord just this year. How many did you lead to the Lord last year, just from your church? It's it's probably close to ten thousand. Okay, close to ten thousand people. Ten thousand people just in one year. That's just one or that's like three or four people going out. Yeah, it's just like three or four people from the church. Going out, yeah. But otherwise, we just have a, you know, it's a lifestyle of ministry. So people go to the checkout counter and lead yeah, lead somebody to the Lord at the checkout counter. Go to buy a car, lead the salesman to the car, or whatever. Yeah. And plus, you did a you did an open air crusade too. Had a thousand people, you know, get saved at that. And so, but that's that's kingdom business. No, no, no. That's about the kingdom. crazy thing in Salem is, is that what we were doing on street corners, other churches were looking at us like, you've got to be nuts being out on a street corner. Mm-hmm. And now, and I prophesied, I said, you watch what happens when we do it, there's going to be other churches that raise up. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. uh, last year at the end of the summer, it was like three or four street corners with churches on them. Yeah. Hallelujah. No, no, that's, we got to, listen, we need all the churches doing that. Because here's the reality. If all the churches would just unite. Do you realize that all of Portland can be sa- Portland can be saved in a week? All of Salem could be saved in a week. But you know what? That's, that's not going to happen. But here's the reality. There's enough people in this room right now. There's enough people in this room. How many people's in, in Portland? Portland. Okay. Well, do you, what? Twalton. This area. There's. 80,000, 60,000. Do you know there's enough people? There's enough people right now in this church in the next three years, Tualatin, everybody can, can have an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But the body of Christ has to be mobilized. But most people in the body of Christ are not eternity minded. But which stems from not having a passion for Jesus because when, you, when Jesus is your passion, eternity is your passion. And Jesus has to be your passion. That's why Paul said, I only want to know one thing, that's Jesus, Him crucified. 
That's Jesus and Him crucified. You get a, you get a, you 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 learn and you get a, you you gain insight into the heart of Paul. Why he had the miracles, why he lived his life the way he lived, why he can go and be on an island and a poisonous snake just come out of the fire and just meant nothing to him, it meant absolutely nothing to him. just shake it off. Because he he knew first off he knew who who he was. He knew that his life that he lived, he lived by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hello? Yeah. And when you live your life by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you are free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. And then you begin to speak things. I speak things. My wife and I speak things every day. Why? Because as we speak it, we bring it from the invisible realm into this natural realm. Hallelujah. That's why I'm, listen, you're looking at a very blessed man. I was blessed before I came here. And guess what? I'm be blessed when I leave here. Because my Bible says that if I serve him, my Bible says if I obey him, my Bible says if I listen unto his commandments and do his commandments, my Bible says that he'll set me on high above all the nations of the earth. My Bible says I'll be blessed when I come in. My Bible says I'll be blessed when I go out. My Bible says I'll be the head and I'll not be the tail. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, I'll be the head, not the tail. I'm, uh, nobody wants to be a butt anyway. I'll be the head, not the tail. Glory to God. Who wants to be a butt? <laughs> I don't want to be a butt. You want to be a butt, Pastor Don? No, we're the head, not the tail. Glory to God. You know, even when I play golf, I use a coin. I, I, I never mark my ball with the tail. I always use the head. Because I'm the head, not the tail. Glory to God. Yeah, above only. You know, my Bible says that he, that he opens his treasures unto me. My Bible says that he commands his blessing upon me. No, he commands his blessing upon me. No, he commands his blessing upon me. And no matter what people say, come on, no matter what people say in the church, no matter what they say that you're doing with the money, a bunch of lying devils. And that's all they've done. They've hooked up to a devil. They, they, they are the same spirit that Judas hooked up to. Amen? You better know anytime people start talking about the money in the church, they're yielding to the spirit that Judas yielded to. And you've got to understand they're not givers. Because people that are givers are not complainers. Hello? Oh, mama, rabakita, rabashita. Maybe we should just go to round two right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Yeah. I'm going to pray for a few people, but we're going to give you opportunity to sow a seed. Ushers are going to come right now. Hallelujah. Oh, look at that. I just saw this on the plane. Choose life. This is cool. Is this a magnet? This is cool. Is this mine? Hallelujah. You like that? Isn't that cool? It's a, it's a, it's, it's a magnet. Choose life. Do you got any more of these? You, do you got any more of these? Oh, you got lots of them? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't that cool? It's a, ma- it's a magnet. Hallelujah. You can have it. Hallelujah. They sell them downstairs? Well, you can have that one. I'll buy that one for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just do, tonight, you, you know how we operate. You just, I don't, it's not my job to tell you what to do. You just obey the Lord and just do what the Lord tells you to do. Hallelujah. Actually, I usually, I'll usually in some of the meetings, I'll take, I'll take, a, I'll take time and 
to teach on this area. But. Big thanks. You know, I, I wanted to tell you, and so obviously, uh, but I, the Lord reminded me tonight. When I walked in here Sunday, I, I, I heard the word big thanks. Big thanks. Big thanks. You hook your faith around that. Big, big thanks. 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 Have you got that building yet? No. It's uh, the architect. They, they've already sunk over $100,000 in that building for us to get us in there. Just so that we can move in. Yeah, you, yeah and you're going to move in there. Right. Hallelujah. You know, I just, I just feel after we see the offering, I just feel by the Holy Ghost because you, 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 I'm not a pastor, and I'm not, but, 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 not that I won't be. Jesus, just illustration. No, but I feel by the Holy Ghost because you, that, that is your building. And I just I feel you're supposed to pray for them, for their building, for land and for building, because it's here. No, it's here. And I just feel by the Holy Ghost you're supposed to pray for them, and release it in it, it, this year in Jesus' name, 2020. Because you're limited here. This has been fine up to now. Hallelujah. I see you with a Bible school. I see you with a Bible school. That's your heart? I see you with a Bible school. Northwest Training Center. They have a Bible school. What's your Bible school called? Northwest Training Center, yeah. Chokoraba. Ushers, go ahead, pass the pass the pass the pass the bags. Make your check out. If you need to just make your check out to VOR at Voice of Revival Ministries. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Or give crew.